It is, it is an exciting time of year. As I mentioned last week, before we dive into the message, we are, as a church family, as we kind of approach Christmas and think about gifts that we're giving, as a church, we are praying about giving a financial gift to the ministries of Lake Hills Church, the greatest gift. Sometime between now and the end of the year, Julie and I are in the process of praying through this. And I'll tell you something that we do in our household whenever an, an opportunity like this presents itself. We talk about it, but we don't talk about a number. Julie and I separate and go pray separately and then come back together and, and usually we write it down, kind of like we're you know, buying a used car or something. Like, what's your number? Because here's what will happen. In our household, we're a little competitive. And whatever, Julie, whatever number Julie says, I will go above that. Or if I say the number first, she'll go above it and act like I don't have enough faith. But we pray about it separately and then come back together. And I will tell you throughout the years, the number of times that we have come within about a 5% window of the exact same number praying separately, it is amazing to watch God work in that way. As I mentioned last weekend, we're going to be focusing these gifts and these offerings on our ministry season in 2024 particularly in three different areas. Number one, evangelism, leading people to Christ. We want to share the good news with as many people as possible that we can. And listen, sharing the good news as a church family is a resource-intense endeavor. It takes a lot of money to be the church God has called us to be. This year, our budget is about $6.1, $6.2 million dollars. And we're looking to grow that in the coming year. So this is a big part of helping us get started on that. You, you may not know this, but about 20% of our annual giving comes in at the end of the year. It's a really, really special time. So please be in prayer for that. Evangelism. Also, we want to really double down on community and giving people the opportunity to connect into the life of the church and be the church as opposed to just going to church. This is a primary emphasis for us in 2024. And then, of course, as always, we're talking about students and next gen. We want to do everything that we can to help students especially solidify a relationship with Christ before they graduate, before they leave home, when they go off, like Julia was talking about in that video, to, to make church a part of their muscle memory that will carry them throughout their lives long after mom and dad are gone. And that's a big, big part of who we are as a church family. So the greatest gift, the end of the year, if you're a part of the church, pray about this, ask God to lead you, to give whatever he leads you to do, and we will celebrate this in the new year together. I want to ask you, if you will, join me in a word of prayer as we turn to God's word today and dive into the message. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so, so much for the fact of your presence here in this place this morning. We thank you, God, that you are a good God, that you are here with us. And Father, as we continue this Advent season, I pray that you will even now be working in our hearts, be working on our hearts, our minds, to truly keep Christ at the heart of Christmas. May we stay excited. May we stay mindful and heartful of just how extravagantly you love us. Father, we give this time to you. We give ourselves to you and ask that you would speak to each and every one of us right where you know we need you. God, I ask that you would speak through me. Speak, God, in spite of me and accomplish what only you can do in each and every life through this time. In Jesus' name, 
And everybody said, amen. Amen. You know, it's been said, and I think rightly so, that hope is not a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. And that's true as far as it goes. I mean, it's, it's one thing to have hopes and dreams for your life, for your family, for your business, for your church, for your children. But if you don't have a strategy that you're executing against, if you don't have a plan to get there, you're going to get a whole lot of frustration. Hope is not a strategy, but it is a powerful, powerful source of energy. Hope is one of those things that, that drives us. Hope is, is what causes you to push through when you're trying to figure out how to get on the same page with your spouse when you're not. Hope is the thing that drives you to push harder in your career professionally. Hope is the thing that causes you to pray and hit your knees for a child who's struggling, who's having trouble, or maybe is an adult you want to see come back around to their faith, to their family. Hope is a powerful, powerful source of energy, of life. We, we had an incredible example of hope here in the church house last weekend. You, you might remember that last weekend was the beginning of the college football playoff series, and there was a huge announcement that was made during worship last week. Now, thank you. Now, I, I knew that it was going on, but, you know, as the pastor, as the one who's preaching, I had to make a conscious decision to ignore that announcement that would happen during the 11 o'clock hour. I couldn't think about it. I couldn't even let myself go there. So we finished the service. When I walked off the stage, I honestly had forgotten it was going on. I took two steps off stage when somebody gang tackled me and said, we're in, because Texas had made the college football playoff. Yeah, it was exciting, but I thought, could you tell me what the sermon was about? <laughs> now, I don't say that judgmentally. I understand, but, you know, if you're a Longhorn fan, this has been a long time coming for the Longhorns. I mean, it was 2009, the last time we played for a national championship, and we kind of like to think that that's where we belong. And now, all of a sudden, it's, it's back. Hope is what drives you through the wilderness of losing football seasons. Hope, hope is the only reason the Dallas Cowboys have anybody show up to their games. It's not because of track record. If you were looking at track record, the, the Cowboys Stadium would be empty. Jerry Jones would be by himself. Oh, I don't know where everybody went. It would be <laughs> devastating, but hope, hope is a powerful powerful so source of energy. You know, Christmas is the celebration of the arrival of hope, specifically the arrival of the ultimate source of hope, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The arrival of hope means that we can keep going. The arrival of hope puts wind in our sails. It puts fuel in our tanks. Hope is what we celebrate, and as we study and look at the story of the arrival of Jesus, you see hope woven throughout every line. Hope is the mortar that holds 
every brick of this story in place. Hope is the point of the story itself. It is a staggering reality that God, God Almighty would choose to fix our brokenness through his holiness in the form of his son, Jesus. That God who is spirit put on human flesh and became one of us. Not only did he become one of us, he became with us, God with us, Emmanuel, God in human form. This is Christmas. This is the hope that we celebrate. And while it's true that hope is not a strategy, it is a powerful, powerful source of energy. Man, when, when you talk to somebody who has hope in their eyes, hope in their lives, you, you, you see that, that just that that energy flowing out of them. They, they've got a, a bounce in their step. They've got a sparkle in their eye. But have you ever talked to somebody who doesn't have hope? Have you ever talked to somebody who life has kind of beat the hope out of them? Man, it's a, that's a tough place to be. Your, your heart goes out and you want to be like, no, 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 no. There, there is a reason to hope and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Today, as we continue this series, Advent, we're going to go back to where we started a couple of weeks ago. You'll remember that we talked about the ETA, the expectation, the expected time of arrival of God in human form, but also expecting God to do something in our lives now, right here, in this place. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and we looked at specifically the angel Gabriel announcing to Mary that she would bear the Savior of the world, that she would give birth to the Messiah, the promised king of Israel. But immediately after this exchange between Gabriel and Mary, there is a family reunion, reunion that is recorded in Scripture. Luke chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 1, or maybe you look at it on your phone. But I want you to look at this Family reunion between Mary and her cousin, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, who, would, who had been told that she would bear John the Baptist well beyond childbearing years. She, she will give birth to the one who will be a voice in the wilderness, preparing a way for the Son of God. And here, Mary and Elizabeth have this family reunion. I want to just remind you of the final thing that Mary said to Gabriel. Mary responded, Luke chapter 1, this is verse 38. Mary responded to Gabriel, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And I don't want us to lose sight of just how powerful a statement that is. Lord, may everything you have said about me come true. What a, what a word of faith. God, I, I trust you. I don't understand how I'm gonna supernaturally conceive. I've, I've never been with a man. I've never been with my fiance, Joseph, and yet you're telling me I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit? But may everything that you have said come true. But then look at this family reunion, starting in verse 39 and following. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. Zechariah is Elizabeth's husband. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. How many of you have been to, let's just say, maybe ever, a family reunion? Let's see a show of hands if you've been to a family reunion. Now, the bigger the family reunion, the bigger the opportunity you have to actually enjoy it, and the more likely there's going to be somebody crazy at it. Family reunions are just a magnet for crazy. Everybody has some crazy in their family. Now, let's be honest. Everybody has a little bit of crazy in them too, right? And if you think you don't, you're the one. But in this family reunion, Mary has come to Elizabeth, and you, you see not only the joy of these two women who are experiencing supernatural pregnancies. Now, and I understand every pregnancy is supernatural. The, fact, the number of things that have to go right for every one of us to have been born is staggering. Every pregnancy is supernatural. But I think you would agree that Mary and Elizabeth, there's kind of like in the history of pregnancy, theirs are kind of top one and two, right? And, and there's this, this, this overriding feeling, this, this expectation, this sense of hope in this greeting between cousins, Mary and Elizabeth. You know, I, I said that hope is, is really, really powerful. The book of Proverbs puts it like this. Proverbs says in verse, chapter 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Isn't that true? If you hope for something that doesn't happen, if you have a, a hope that is derailed, a hope that is deflected or somehow redirected indefinitely, it can literally just drain the life out of you. If you keep hoping against hope that maybe a relationship will get better and, and, and be actually healthy and constructive, but it never gets there, just after a while, it just, it just weighs you down. But if you have a dream, if you have a, a hope that God has placed in your heart and you see that hope made real, Boy, that, then, then you got fuel in the tank. You, you got wind in your sails at that point. I love watching. As I get older, there are two events connected to sports that I love watching almost as much as the sports themselves. I love watching the NBA or the NFL draft. I love watching the draft. When you see these young men, these guys who are, and young women sometimes, but in the NBA and the NFL, we're talking about men. But when you see these young men who are in the prime of life, waiting to hear their names called, seeing a dream fulfilled, a hope realized, and then their name gets called. And, and you see just the, the, 
emotion pour out, and you see these guys, six foot five, 340 pounds, just break down sobbing. And you see their families' lives being changed for generations. I love that. I love, like, last night, how many of you watched the Heisman Trophy presentation last night? I mean, you had these four incredible young men who had devoted their lives, young lives, but devoted their lives to their craft. And they're there talking about what their parents had done for them, what, what had happened, the sacrifices they've made, the injuries they've overcome, to hear their names mentioned in the same breath as the Heisman Trophy. And then it goes to somebody from LSU. I don't understand, but that's another sermon. But you can't help but be excited for this kid. I'll tell you what else I think about when I see these guys. I kind of feel bad for them. I feel bad for them because there is no way at 22 years old they can understand that this is as good as it's ever going to be physically. They have peaked at 22 years old. But they don't have to know that then because their dream is being realized. It's being fulfilled. And hope, hope is a source of energy that in Christ never runs out because he is the source that is never depleted. He is infinite. He always is, always was, always will be. We never get to the bottom of Christ. And so in Christ, we never run out of hope. And in this family reunion between Mary and Elizabeth, there are four facets of hope that are on full HD display. But it's not just the facets of hope that, that I want us to, to look at because hope as a renewable source of energy is something that Christ calls us into a collaborative effort with him to see renewed and restored, refreshed in our lives day by day, year by year, so that the longer we're in relationship with God, the longer we see his faithfulness. And these four facets of faith, each of them have a specific calling to a specific action, a deliberate and intentional action on our parts to see this energy source, this hope renewed. Hope always begins with faith. Hope always finds its footing. It is birthed out of the soil of faith. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Elizabeth had faith that even though she was well beyond her childbearing years, she would in fact bear John the Baptist. She believed that. And that faith is real, but if you've followed Christ for any amount of time at all, you know that faith, believing, is not in itself enough. That's where it starts. But faith calls us to obey. Faith calls us to follow the word of God. Faith calls us to obey. Obedience is God's love language. When you obey God, when I obey and do what he says biblically, I don't do what he says don't do biblically. 
God hears us saying, I love you. I trust you more than I trust myself. I trust you more than I trust my friends. I trust you more than I trust culture. Because of my faith, I will obey. The Bible says that faith without works is what? Dead. Kind of like that response. <laughs> Dead. You got to do something. Faith without works is what? You work. You, you respond and act according to your faith, to what you believe. Faith without works is dead, so we obey. Also, you, you see it here in the scripture. When we believe that God is up to something, when we have hope that God is doing something in us and through us and we go to work, it also creates a second facet of hope, and that is urgency. There's a sense of urgency to hope. Like if you have a, a hope or a dream that God's gonna do something, that something's about to happen, and you're like, well, let's get on with it. I remember when I proposed to Julie, I felt like she would say yes, but when she did, we were engaged. I was like, let's go. I, I'm, I'm ready to get this show on the road. We've done the work. We've prayed about this. We've sought counsel. We've dated. I bought a ring. Let's go. There's a sense of urgency when you have a hope. When you believe God is up to something, that sense of urgency, what did it say? It said a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea. Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea. I wonder this morning, if you're a follower of Christ, what is it in your relationship with God that you feel a sense of urgency about? What, what is it that you are, are pursuing and chasing and going after with a sense of urgency? Man, I, I think if, if we could walk out of here and, and take that story of the Fortman family with us and keep in mind that they were, they were not actively engaged in a relationship with Christ in any way, shape, or form until somebody invited them to a Christmas service. I think that would give us all a greater sense of urgency as we pray for people that we know who don't yet know how extravagantly God loves them. As we pray for people and, and invite them, it's a sense of urgency. We, we go, I'm running out of candy canes. I gotta go pick up some more. I need some more cards. I wanna invite more people. A sense of urgency comes over you. And, and that sense of urgency compels you to actually work, to actually do something for the kingdom of God, to move the purposes of God forward in a tangible, measurable way. Urgency causes us to work. I love this one too. The third facet of hope is joy. Joy. Elizabeth said, whoa, Mary, when, when, when you spoke your greeting to me, the baby inside my womb leaped for joy. That's the power of the presence of Christ in somebody's life. When we walk with Christ, when we know what God has done for us, when we understand that he traded our brokenness for his holiness, man, that's, that's something to celebrate. That's something to be joyful about, to be excited about, to be joyful 
I don't understand. I don't understand Christians who look like this. As if spiritual maturity can be registered in seriousness. I'm very serious about this. Yes, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Christian, joy. When you have the hope of the Lord in your life, when you understand what he has done for you, when you understand the significance of the reality of the incarnation personally, globally, you, you can't keep that inside. If you're pregnant, your baby's gonna jump a little bit. If you're not pregnant, you're gonna get a little quiver in your liver. There, there's gonna be some excitement, some enthusiasm. Say the word enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is derived from two Greek words. In, which is in, as opposed to out. In, enthusiasm is from theos, in God. We have excitement when we are in God. That's where the word enthusiasm comes from. We, 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 we are enthusiastic about our faith. We're enthusiastic about our hope. We're enthusiastic about our love for each other. We're enthusiastic because God has called us to something greater than ourselves. And we wanna, we wanna share that with as many people as we can. Joy is contagious in the best way possible. I want you to think about, think about somebody that you know right now who is truly joyful, okay? You got somebody frontal lobe, somebody who's joyful, not you, but somebody else that you know. Don't you enjoy being around that person? I mean, you, if that person calls, you're like, I love talking to this person. Click. Joy. Joy gives us the opportunity as we work out of urgency. Joy causes us to inspire people. We inspire people. Not only do we encourage them, keep on, you can keep going, but we inspire them. We, we, we breathe life into them. That's what the word inspire actually means. We breathe life into the people around us because of the joy we have found <coughs> in Christ. Now, number four, remember we said that hope is a renewable energy source? Number four is where we start to renew our hope. We come back to faith. <clears throat> when we see hopes, dreams fulfilled, that tree of life that Proverbs talked about, it causes our faith to grow, to develop, to cultivate. And so our faith deepens. We, we become solid and immovable. We stand firm in our faith because our hopes are fulfilled, because we see God's work. We see his faithfulness. Our faith grows and develops. And this portion of faith calls us to persevere, calls us to persevere. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and just tell them with a smile on your face. Be sure you're smiling. Tell them, don't you quit. Don't you quit. You persevere because of your faith in Christ. We persevere. We stay at it because of what Christ did for us. 
The Bible says we fix our eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Why did Jesus stay on the cross? He could have thought himself off of the cross. He stayed on the cross because of the joy that was set before him, the joy of fulfilling God's calling on his life, the joy of solving our brokenness with his holiness, the joy of the resurrection, the joy of being restored to his place of glory at the right hand of the Father and enjoying fellowship with God. For the joy that was on the other side, he endured the cross. The faith, the faith is what allows us to persevere. The faith is what keeps us going. The faith gets us up in the morning when we don't know how the day's gonna end. It's faith, it's believing that God is sufficient. The Bible tells us that in Christ we are more than conquerors, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So we keep going, we persevere, we stick it out, we do the work. Because remember, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You've got a hope or a dream that gets redirected, gets deflected. It drains the life out of you. But man, when that, when that hope is fulfilled, when that dream becomes real, that's a tree of life. I love that Proverbs talks about the tree of life. It, it's really the connective tissue because if you look at the beginning of the Bible, go, go all the way back to Genesis. In the Garden of Eden, there was the tree of life that God called Adam and Eve to partake in, to enjoy, to celebrate, to take sustenance from, the tree of life. Then it's here in Proverbs, a dream fulfilled, a, a hope that's made real as a tree of life. But there's also a tree that's mentioned at the end of the Bible in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 22, these are the words of Jesus. He says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those <clears throat> who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. To wash their robes means that your sins are forgiven. Our clothes that were once as crimson are now white as snow because of Christ, because of the hope that we have in Christ. We have now the opportunity to partake of the tree of life forever. The tree of life. It's fascinating that God talks about the tree of life because it's also mentioned that Jesus hung on a tree, the cross. And how it is through that tree of death that we have access to the tree of life. 
and because of what Christ endured on the cross and rose from the dead, we have hope. Not only for the here and the now, but for eternity. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. This hope is a powerful thing. But knowing about the source of hope doesn't do it. This hope becomes real when we know the source, Jesus. Jesus himself said in John 17, this is salvation that they might know you, that they might relate to you, that they might live with you, walk with you in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He is our hope. If you're here today and you've never stepped into that relationship, you've never stepped over that line of faith, then we invite you to pray, to, to enter into the invitation that he offers to just pray right where you're sitting and say something like this, just silently from your heart to God's to say, Jesus, I need you. I confess my sin to you so that I can receive your forgiveness. And in this moment, I give you my life. I will follow you from this moment forward trusting you, placing my faith in you, loving you. Lord, I pray this prayer in your name. I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed, eyes closed. If that was your prayer, this is the greatest moment of your life. And as a church, we would love to help with the moments that follow. When we dismiss in just a moment, outside in the lobby, there's a place there where you can talk to somebody, maybe ask a question or two, or just start a dialogue. But we would love to know that God did that in your life, and we've got a gift for you. Just a, it's a new believer's kit. There's a Bible with a reading plan as you begin this journey, this relationship with God. And then just one last thing, as our heads are bowed for another moment, if that was your prayer, would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand high over your head if you would. As a statement physically of the commitment spiritually that you just made and know that we honor that, we celebrate that. There's nothing more important to us than that moment in your life and others like you. And so our family tradition around here is as you put your hands down, we're going to put our hands together to tell you welcome home. Welcome home.